0: Yeah. Okay. okay. Um. Five, one, two, three, four, five lines from the bottom. Lamed base, Lamed base, Ton Rabonon. Yeah. Okay. Danny, you got it? Okay. Ton nice. It's a nice story. Ton Rabonon. echod. A story happened with achosid, means a pious man. Jehoi mispanol baderach. He was dabbling on the road, a certain very important person, a general, or somebody like that, came and greeted him while he was davening, while he was in the middle of the Qayt shalom," He didn't reply. He didn't uh, greet him back. This general waited for him until he had finished his tfile, his Shemineshra, and after he had completed his tefillah, Amalei the general said to him, "Rekoh, you empty-headed person!" It's written in your Torah, guard yourself." guard your soul." And there's another pasuk which says, be greatly guard your souls." And in other words, you've got to protect your life. When I gave you shalom, I greeted you, says the general. Why did you not respond? If I would have cut off your head with a sword, would anyone demand justice for your blood from me? In other words, I'm the important general, I greeted you, you didn't respond, I would have been entitled to cut your head off. So why didn't you respond? So the Chossid said to him like this, If you, in other words, he says, the Chossid said to the general, had you been standing before a Melech boss of Adam, a king of flesh and blood, and as you were talking to the king, all of a sudden your friend passed, and he greeted you. The question is then, would you have returned the greeting to him while you were speaking to the king? And my life says, I said to him, love, no, of course I wouldn't have. It's not covered. If you're speaking to the king, you don't take any notice of anybody else. And the general says, and and the chosid says to the general, and if you would have returned the greeting to him while he was speaking to the king, what would they have done to you? Amalai said to him, the general said they would have cut my head off with a sword. So Amalai, so the man said to him, this is the chosid, Turned round and said to the general, is it not a Kavo How much more so? If you had been standing in front of a king of flesh and blood, Shayan Khan today is here. and tomorrow he is not going to be alive anymore. He's in the grave. you behave so. In other words, you did not, you would not have interrupted with your friend Ani. I, says the Hassid. I was standing in front of the King of Kings, who lives forever. Allah has come over. Come on. How much more so could I not interrupt while I was speaking to Hashem? I was in the middle of doubling, I was speaking to Hashem. I could not interrupt and say hello to you. So this was the excuse that the Chosid gave to the general. This general was appeased, and the Chosid departed to his own house in peace. In other words, it was accepted, it was a very good answer. Now, all the Mephoshim asked the following question. But he put himself in danger. He was right, the general was right, the halacha is, you don't put yourself in danger. How could he do that? Yes, of course, he had an answer afterwards, but you're not allowed to put yourself in danger. And clearly, by not responding to the general's uh, greeting, he put himself in danger that the, the uh, general could have killed him. There's two answers. Answer number one is the one that Shlach gives, and he says as follows. If you look at the story... Who greeted who first? The general greeted the chosid, not the other way around. So therefore the chosid knew that this must be a humble man. Even though he's so important, he still greets me first. So since he knew he was a humble man, he realized that he would listen to his excuse and he had confidence that the excuse that he would give would be acceptable to the general. That's one answer of the slough. The other answer is that you know what Itako would have stopped, but he was so deep and concentrating on his tzwilis he didn't hear it. Now you might ask me a question: If he didn't hear it, then when the when the general said to him, "Why didn't you respond to me? Why didn't you say I didn't hear it?" Why does he give the reason? It's Moshe or Melchboss of Adom, etc., etc. He et don't yet to go on to that. I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. If I would have heard it, of course I would have greeted you. So the answer is that he knew that the uh the general would not believe that. The general comes along and greets you, that's something very important. He doesn't understand a person as Kavon and Tzvila, a person chosid he was a chossid, he wasn't an ordinary person, he was a chosid, and therefore he was so deep in his concentration, he wouldn't answer. But this is, you know, this hostage realized that the general's never going to accept that, so therefore he made some other excuse. The story is told, I can't tell you whether it's true or whether it's not true, but there's a story told about Ramosha Feinstein's father. Now, I would have said normally hearing this story, I wouldn't believe it. But somebody who can produce a Ramosha Feinstein, it could be the story is, is true. That Rabmonish's father used to work for a non-Jewish, he had a non-Jewish boss, but he had an agreement with him that he could take off mincha every day, take off time for mincha. And as you can imagine, Rabmonish's father, the minchas were getting very, very long. And his boss, his non-Jewish boss, was getting a little bit uptight about it. And one day he just had enough. And as Rabmonish's father bowed down for Modim, he shot over the top of him, sort of like a warning shot. And nothing happened. Afterwards, he said to him, he says, when I shot, how come you didn't fall on the ground? So he said, so the story goes, I didn't even hear the shot. It was so deep in concentration, like this Chosid Echod, he was so deep, he didn't even hear it. I can't guarantee that that story is true, but they don't say that about me, But about Ramosh's father, possibly it is true. Okay, let's carry on. Now, the mission has said, Even if a snake is coiled around his heel, is right about his heel, and he's in the quiet room and the esri, he should not interrupt. They taught this rule that you don't, mustn't interrupt only regarding a snake. If it's a scorpion, then you can interrupt, even if you're in the quiet Shemana Esra. Why? Because scorpions are more likely to sting than snakes are to bite. Although, if you look at the Tosfos on the left, there's only one Tosfos there. He brings the Yerushalmi and he says that if, a, even though you normally don't have to stop for a snake because it's not necessarily going to bite you, however, if it's a threatening snake and it looks like it is going to cause you some damage, then you can. It says, the Imhoyo Anochosh Mautia, means a threatening snake, Lava kenegda is coming towards you. Paisic, you may stop. The pot Konegda, but Kaas, miscaven. It's obvious, he, he looks like he's going to injure you. But under normal circumstances, for a Anochosh, you don't have to stop. But for an Akrov, a scorpion, you do have to stop. Mesa the Gemara Asakasha. Nofal Lugayv Haaroyas. A person fell into a lion's den. Eden on the strength of that fact alone you saw somebody falling into a lion's den in other words you didn't see the lions devouring him you just saw him falling into the lion's den on that fact alone you cannot bear witness that he's definitely died to allow his wife to remarry and Rushi explains why because if there, if uh, if you have a look at the second line, He says, If lions are not hungry, they will not attack the person. So even though he fell into the lion's den, you can't guarantee that he's definitely dead because it could be that the lions were not hungry and therefore they didn't attack him. However, But if he fell into a pit full of snakes or scorpions, then you just saw him falling in. You don't know what happened afterwards. You can automatically assume that he died and his wife is allowed to remarry. But what do we see from this, The Nechoshim and Akrabim come together. The same way that Akrabim are dangerous and you can assume that the person's been attacked and died, so Nechoshim as well, snakes as well. Now, before we said, Rav Shaysha said, it is only if a snake is attacking you that you do not stop your Shemana Esra. But if a scorpion is attacking you, you do stop. Now here we see from this b'risa that both Nehoshim and Akrabim do attack. And on that basis, you can assume that if somebody fell into a pit full of snakes and scorpions, you can assume that he definitely has died. So we see there's no difference between snakes and scorpions. So how can Rav Shesha say say yes? Answers the Gomorrah, shiny Hossom. The case of the Braysa is different. The Agav Itsasa, Mazda. When normally Utakas say a snake is not dangerous, only a scorpion is. But if you fall in the pit and you fall on top of the snake, then of course the snake is going to get annoyed and get irritated and therefore the snake will attack you. Under normal circumstances, a snake is not dangerous, is what the Gomorrah is saying. But if you fall on it, and you annoy it, and you irritate it, therefore it's going to attack you. So ask the Mephoshim an obvious question. What about the lion falling into the lion's den? If we fall into the lion's den, we say they may not be hungry, but if you fall on them, they're going to notice it. The same way that if you fall on the snake, on the scorpion, they notice it, and it annoys them. So it would be with a lion as well. So why do we say, in the case of a lion, if you fall into the lion, you cannot presume that the person is dead? And they answer. I think it's a slacher answers as follows. He says there's a difference between a um, the pit, the den of a lion, and a pit of snakes and scorpions. Snakes and scorpions is they're very very small. So the pit is not large. So if you fall onto the snakes and scorpions, you're definitely, if you fall into that pit, you will definitely fall on top of them. Lions being huge animals and they also need place to walk around is a much, much larger pit. And therefore when you fall down into it, you won't necessarily fall on them. So that's the point. The point is you can't be guaranteed that you will fall on it, fall on the lion and if you don't if you don't fall on the lion and the lions are not hungry then the lion may not attack you as opposed to a snake which when you fall into the pit you're definitely going to fall on them and even though a snake is normally not considered dangerous but if you fall on top of it and apply pressure on it it will attack so that's the answer to that carrying on omar says Rab Shavorim Posit, if somebody saw Oxen, bulls coming towards him. If you happen to be in Spain, you know, sort of every year they have the bulls running down the road and people running in front of it to try and dodge out of it. Well, if you happen to be in that position and you happen to be doubling Shemoneser at the time, you stop doubling Shemoneser. The Tonya Ravashia, because Ravashia says, we distance ourselves from a shatam, that means an ox has not gored three times, fifth, at least 50 amas, and if you've got an ox that has gored more than three times, it's considered a shatam, then you get away as far as the eye can see, a lot more than chamishim amal. Right. Tana Rabbi Meir, we learned to price it in the name of Rabbi Meir, resh Torah even if the head of the ox is buried in its feeding basket. Now, normally, if an animal is concentrating on eating, that's all it's interested in. It's not interested in looking at you or attacking you. It's interested in its food. You know, I think human beings are like that as well. You know, they say that a person once came to a, 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 met a person who had come from his town. And he said, oh, you know, you come from such and such a town. He says, yes. He says, oh, how so-and-so? He's not alive anymore. This one, he's dead. This one is not alive. What? Everyone's dead? He, so he was in the middle of having supper. He says, when ish es gestorben, which means when I'm eating, everyone is dead. So here as well, we got the same sort of idea that when this ox is putting his head buried in its feeding basket, no- nonetheless, you should slick la agra, go up to the roof, and remove the ladder from underneath you. Now, Rashi says, this is lavdafka, because an ox can't climb up a ladder. But what it means is, be very, very wary, even if you think the ox at the time is concentrating on its food, nevertheless, it can be very dangerous. So beware. Now, Omar Shmuel says, Shmuel, he, he qualifies this, and he says, Hani Miller... What we've just said that you should be so scared and keep fifty Amas away, or as far as the eyes can see, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, that is only Bashar Shochar, the black bull, not being racist there, but that's how it is, and we'll explain in a minute, of a Yama Nissan on the only in the days of Nissan, a Ben because the Sultan dances between his horns. Now, what does this mean? This means as follows. During the winter, Rashi explains, during the winter, the land is dry. It comes to Nissan, Nissan is the beginning of the spring, and then the grass starts coming out, and then the ox has got plenty to eat. As it, as it's got all this food to eat, it gets very excited, and when it gets excited, it can get wild, it can attack. So that is why the yeoman listen. Why does God Why just a black bull? So the, uh, I, I, I looked up in the Masifta Gomorrah is brought from somebody called Mitsutseara, Ara. I don't know who that is. But he brings a Gomorrah from Nozir Lameda Lafamud base, which is as follows. You've got black, black oxen, red oxen, and white oxen. A, ba- a black ox is most valuable for its hide, you know, to make leather out of it. A red ox is the tastiest meat. And a white ox is good for plowing. So what he says like this. In the winter, obviously, the farmer, the food is more expensive because it's not in the season. So therefore, it will nevertheless still feed the red ox and the white ox. It will go and buy the expensive food for it. The farmer will buy it and give it to them. Why? Because he wants the meat to be good for the red ox, and he wants the, the, the white ox to be strong for ploughing. The only one that will get a bit of a raw deal is the black ox because you don't have to give him extra food just because you want it for the hide. That won't make any difference whether he's fed so well or not. So therefore, being that in winter it's expensive, the food, you don't spend so much on the black ox. So therefore, the black ox, when he starts having as much food as he wants in this sun, that is when he gets excitable and that's when he can come and attack. Okay, moving on. Ton that's a very strange gemara coming up. Ton Rabon, there was a story which happened in a certain place, Orod, an Orod. Now, an Orad is a crossbreed of a snake and a toad. It's some sort of animal. It was injuring people. So they came and they told Rabbi Hanina Ben-Daisa, He said to them, Haruli Show me the whole... Where this Aroid disappears in. Harul they showed him the hole. Nosan Akeval he put his heel over the mouth of the hole. this Aroid, came out on the Shah and bit him. and the Aroid died. Now, what actually what, what what's happened here? It's obviously something very, very unusual. If I can draw your attention to the Rashi, which is the Rashi just before the Mishnah, which says as follows, and, and without this, we wouldn't really understand the story. Rashi says, I found, he said from the Yerushalmi, when this Orod bites a person, if the Orod comes to water, in other words, be- comes to water before the person gets to the water, Mesa Odom, the person will die. Vihima Odom k'adum lamayim, but if the person who's been bitten gets to water first, Mesa Orod, then the oroid will die. The Nase nase a nase happened here, the Rebbe Chanina, because remember, he put his foot over the hole where this Orod disappeared. The Nifka Mayon Mitach And a, a, um, a spring just came up from underneath his feet. And therefore the spring came up. So he had the water before the aride did. And therefore that's why the aride died. What this means, I've looked around to see sort of what the meaning is. And I don't know, I don't know what it means. It's obviously something esoteric or Kabbalistic. This idea that if you get bitten, if you get to the water first, the arrival will die, and if the Arayad gets to the water first, you will die. What exactly it means, I don't know. But in any case, what happened was, Natalia al he put it on his shoulder. In other words, this, um, who did we say it was? Uh, Rabbi Hanina ben Daita, he put it on his shoulder. via the base of Medrash, he brought this Arayad, this dead arid, he brought it into the base of Medrash. Why Why should he want to do that? On he said to the people in the base of Medrash, Ru'u Bonai. Have a look, my children. Ain't I mamis? It is not the arid that kills, and I hate mamis. It's sin that kills. In other words, the arid is only a shliach which Hashem sends you when you need punishment because you've done virus In other words, his message to the people was: rather than focus on this arid, they would do better to concentrate on their avarus, and then the arid won't come. But isa Shah, at that time, they said, "Ailai le Adam." Woe to the person shepogah by Arad, who is met by an Arad. The oila Arad, and woe is to an Arad shepogah by Reb Chananah who is met by Reb Chananah Padaisa, who got rid of this Arad. the The question is, you're not allowed. We have a, a principle: ain sanchin alamez. You cannot rely on a miracle. Now by him putting his foot over the hole who was relying on a miracle it's only and he tacker did get he did get bitten but it's only because this nest happened this spring suddenly welled up from nowhere that he was saved and we have a qalan insa on this so how could he do that a simple answer would be a normal person can't do that but real khaneban and his madrega he could rely on the nest However, the Mashal says he has a completely different geizah. He doesn't have this geizah of uh this what we what Rashi learnt about uh, this Aroid, you know, about covering the hole and all that. He says the gezah is that this Rab Khanina Padasa was in the middle of Dublin, and this is when the Arroyd attacked him, he didn't stop, and the animal died. Now this would tie in with what we are learning before, because we're learning what the Mishnah said, even if a snake is cold around your heel, you shouldn't interrupt. So this story fits in very well with that. But that would answer, because it wasn't really a, it wasn't really, um, it wasn't a nest because this story never happened. It was totally different. It happened in the middle of Dublin. I think we should just, we've just got a little bit of time left. Let's just do the Mishnah. Um, we say as follows. Maskirian Gevurah's Geshomim, Betchiah's Amazim. We mention Gevurah's Geshomim, which means Mashiv Haruah Chamoridach Goshen, in the brocha of Tchiah's Amazim. It's taught of Atta Gibber Lamshem, Machiah's Amazim, and Baruch Atta Hashem, Machiah's That's called the brocha of Machiah's <laughs> Amazim, resurrecting the dead. And that's where Mashiv Haruah Chamoridach which is said at the beginning of Shemana Esra as a Shvach, it's not a request to ask Hashem to let us have rain. It's a shvach to Hashem that he is Mashavaruch. He, he creates the wind or Goshem um, and brings down the rain. So that's mentioned in Techiosa and the Gemara will explain why do we say Mashavaruch or Maradagashem in the Broch of Techiosa Now we come to She'eloba Bechazashonim. But the requests, the request for rain to ask Hashem to give us Panos and to give us rain, that is in the bracha of Baruch HaLeinu. Baruch HaLeinu, we say, we ask for dew, we ask for rain. That is in that bracha. Again, the Gomorrah will ask, why, why is Dafka there? So the Shemana is divided as follows. The first three brachas are shvach. As we learned last week or the week before, that it's always before you ask for your request, you give the shvach. So the first three brachas are shvach. The last three brachas are Thanking Hashem. And in between are the 13 brochas where we're making requests to Hashem. So the request for rain is Babi Hashem in Borah Now, Vahabdallah, B'chaon and And Vahabdallah, what we say on Motz and Shabbos, namely Atachon and Tonu, that is a three-way machlaikas, where do we say it? Okay, the Tanakhama says Vahabdallah, B'chaon nadas. That we say Atochan and Tonu, we insert it in the Brokh of Hanan Adas as we actually do. Hallo Khalabaisa. Rabakiva says, I'm Rabrokhis Bifne Atno. No, we don't insert it into the bracha of Atochan, but it's a bracha in its own right. Meaning that when you come HaShem, then you say a whole bracha just for Atochanan Tonu. You end up Baruch Hashem, whatever it is, and then you start Atachayin En La'odam Dav. So it's a bracha in its own right, that Rebbe Akiva said. Rabbi Lezah, I know, the third shit is Rabbi Leza says, Baidah, you say it in Haidah, you say it in the bracha, Maidah Menachem Again, the idea of being in Maidah Menachem is <coughs> because since we thank Hashem for having given us the Shabbos, now that we've come out of Shabbos, we thank Him and therefore it is, um, the correct thing, um, to say Atachanatanu in the brocha of, um Madimanach Nulach. That's the most appropriate time to say it. So those are the, so we won't carry on further, um, but just to go over Maskurin Kabrus kashamim. so we mentioned the Shvach of Masha Viroch goshem in the first broch of Chesemesim. When we ask for rain as Pamosa, we ask for it in baruch Aleinu. And atochanantono is a three-way machlaikasatanakamas say we insert it into atochanan like we do, like as we do. Rebbe Kiri says you make a bracha Atma. And Rebbe Lezer says you say in Adar as a thanks for Hashem that we thank him that we've had Shabbos. And therefore now in atochanantono, it is appropriate to put it into the last brocha in the brocha of Madam Ahnullah, where we thank Hashem. When we'll leave it there.